0: The word of God that was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God that lives inside of us. The word of God that we have access to. The word of God that has power and it has authority. The word, the word which was and is and will forevermore be. Father, breathe on the word this morning. Touch hearts this morning. Touch hearts this morning, Father God. We are in one accord and in agreement this morning to see you move and to hear you speak in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So good morning. Good morning. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And, uh, I have my little, uh, sermon slide up here and it says, tick tock. Come on, God, tick tock, tick tock. Come on, God, tick tock, tick tock. Come on, God. God's timing is always on time. God's timing is always on time. This morning, we're going to talk about learning to rest in God's timing. That's good. Come on, everybody. Amen. Amen. We're going to learn how to rest in God's timing. So I'm going to ask for a show of hands this morning, and I want to know is who is in a waiting season? Is anybody in here in a waiting season? Amen. I know our family has been in a waiting season for quite a while. Um, at the end of September, when our Serena was tested positive for COVID on a Monday, we had saw the end of a season as we were waiting for nine months for our first grandbaby to be born. And then on that Tuesday, Nico Gray Woods came in, and so we saw uh, a nine-month waiting season as our first grandbaby was born. And then we were celebrating and and had a by the end of the week. a a new waiting season that went even deeper than just waiting for our Isaac to be born. It took a whole new different level. And so here we are in November going in on the 20th of November. Is that right? Today's the 20th. We're still in a waiting season. And so for our family, it's not our first waiting season. And guess what? It will not be our last waiting season. (laughs) But one thing that I can preach this morning, one thing that I can release in the house of God this morning, one thing that I can firmly, a foundational truth that I can stand on is that I know that you can trust that God's timing is always on time and you can trust in the fact and learn how to rest, come on, to rest in the waiting season, to learn how to rest in the waiting season. And there's a lot of things sometimes in my life, and I'm sure the places that you are right now, that you've been in a waiting season. Has anybody gone to the doctor's office? <laughs> you got an appointment at 2 o'clock, and you get there a little bit early because they say, hey, come a little bit early because you've got paperwork to fill out. So you get there a little bit early, you sit down, and you get all your paperwork, and you fill it out before 2 o'clock. 2 30 comes around. Come on, 3 o'clock comes around. <laughs> Three thirty hits. You're pushing four o'clock. You done. You've been there for two and a half hours. Your appointment was at two o'clock. Come on. How the the the, the patience level <laughs> is gone at that point, right? So, how many of you ever pulled up to a drive-through? For the love of God, I hope you've never pulled up to a drive-through at a fast food restaurant with Paul Gray. How many of you love it when you pull up to the fast food restaurant and they say the words that Paul believes causes World War Three? Please pull forward. For food, but... <laughs> waiting, but I can testify to you <laughs> that there's been a lot of things within a waiting season that took a lot of different uh, took a lot of different forms, took a lot of different things, and so maybe today you are waiting on a healing. Come on, you're waiting on a healing. That's where our family's at. We're waiting on Serena's lung to completely and fully inflate for her to get out of ICU to be able to go and to be with the other waiting as we're waiting for Isaac to be complete and to be whole so we can bring that baby home. Amen? It's a waiting season. Maybe you've been believing for a healing for yourself, for your family member. Maybe you're in a waiting season of... Waiting on maybe a loved one to line up, one a loved one to come out of rebellion, a loved one to be saved, one a loved one to be delivered, come on, a loved one to have the truth revealed to him. Maybe you're in that waiting season of waiting for that one that you love, whether it's a family member, whether it's a child, whether it's your parents, whether it's a friend, you're waiting for them, come on, you're waiting for them to, to have the truth revealed to them, Right? the truth, and the freedom that we know and that we live, right? You may be in that place. Maybe you've been in a season of, of believing God for your marriage to be restored. You're in a season where you're believing for your spouse to line up with the Word of God. Maybe you're in a season where you're waiting for a spouse to come down the road. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you're waiting for that man or that woman, you know, to come into your life. Waiting. Trusting. Maybe you're in that place where you're waiting for that ministry, that word, that prophetic word that maybe God gave to you so many years ago, and you're waiting for that thing to come about. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle in your finances. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle in your job. Come on, whatever that waiting season may look like. Can I tell you that whatever it is of all the above that I've mentioned, can I tell you that God is in control of it all? Come on, give a shout this morning. God's in control of it all. But hey, tick-tock, tick-tock, come on, God. Come on, God, where are you at? Has anybody ever been in that place? Come on, Lord. You promised me this, and I'm not seeing it. I had an appointment at 2 o'clock, and I'm still sitting here waiting. The next day, and the next day, and the next day. Come on, God, where are you? The incredible thing about God that you learn in the process of tr- learning how to wait patiently in that season is that he will never tell you when. Look, there's, there's this little word that, that he says, and I don't know if maybe if you, you like this word as much as I, but it's a little word. It's called soon. 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 Have you ever gone on a trip with a kid? Right? You're in the car and you're driving. Yes, exactly. I remember Izzy was little. She was like a th- about, I don't, I don't know, she might have been two and a half, three years old. And Paul and I, one, one day, we just looked at each other and we just were like, let's just go somewhere, just flying by the seat of our britches. Let's just go. And we just made a decision. We were going to jump in the car and we were going to take off and we were just going to see where the road took us. So we put Izzy in the car and we took off. And we told her, we're going on an adventure. And so we got about Pines Road exit. And she said, are we there yet? (laughs) No, baby, the adventures, it's coming. It's going to be a little while. So we get to about Marshall. Are we there yet? No, baby, no, no, we're not there yet. So the, the next morning, we ended up spending the night in uh, McKinney, Texas. And that next morning, we get up, and we get in the car, and we're driving. And we get about Texas. And, you know, you can just drive for Texas for several years and never come out of Texas, right? <sighs> are we there yet? And now, by the, you know, by this time, I'm not, I'm not, no, we are not there yet. But I will tell you, we will be there soon. So we land in Albuquerque, New Mexico by the second day. Do you remember this? Yes, we did too. When we landed in Colorado, we stayed outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Just sit there and listen to the sermon. We do not need cliff notes from you. Thank you. Come on. We did stay in McKinney, and it was outside of Albuquerque. It wasn't in Albuquerque, but thank you. It was, it was not that. I'm not going to sit and argue with you. Anyway, the next day, we get in the car. And we are making our way to Colorado is where we were officially going to land. And Izzy had stopped saying, I don't want to hear anymore. Are we there yet? So she changed it. When will we get there? When are we going to get there? And I said, trust me. We're stopping one way or the other. (laughs) You know, we're done. Get me out of this car. With Paul driving and Izzy flapping her lips. So get me out soon. And when we finally arrive, come on, don't we feel that way sometimes with God? Has anybody ever done that? When are we going to get there, Lord? How much further? How much longer? Come on, I'm hungry, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and it doesn't seem that you are giving me any indication of the other than the fact that all that you're saying is, soon, soon. Take a chill pill. We'll be there soon. Tick tock, come on God, where are you? <laughs> Maybe you don't feel that way in your waiting seasons. But like I said, I can testify of what it looks like in my waiting season. I can tell you that In your waiting seasons, you don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be miserable because miserable is an attitude. It's an attitude. It's a stinky attitude. You ever been around somebody who's miserable? Is it a pleasant experience to go anyway or deal with anyone who just has a stinking, miserable attitude? It's hard, negative, just this miserable. Just They don't want to be there. They don't want to be doing that. They're just miserable. And because they're miserable, guess what they want? They want you to be miserable with them. In your waiting season, you don't have to be miserable. Now, I'm not saying that your waiting season cannot be hard. Because it probably will be. I'm not saying that your waiting season will not be difficult. Because I can guarantee you that it will be. I can guarantee you also... That it could possibly be a painful experience. But that doesn't mean that you have to be miserable. That you don't have to take your emotions and your, and your mindset and your words and, and, and everything that you may be justifiably able to react to and be miserable. You don't have to. In the waiting season... There is grace and there is mercy and there is is something that, that produces something out of you that you couldn't get unless you were having to wait. Many of you know that for 15 years, I stood in a waiting season believing for my man of God to rise up and take ownership of the call to God that was on his life. For 15 years. And you've heard me tell the stories of praying for him in the middle of the night. Like a big ninja warrior. You know him waking up and getting. You know (laughs) what are you doing? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) But the one thing that I learned during that season. Is that I could not overrule his will. When you're in a waiting season. And if you're believing God for someone. Or you're believing God for something. that That is not your will. Like, you might be waiting on God to do something that's, that's, that's inside of you, but if you're in a place of waiting and you're waiting for someone else, you cannot override someone else's will. It's not possible. Everyone has a will. Everyone has a choice. Everyone has a decision that they have to choose to make and have to live out. I couldn't override his will, but I could live my life as an example. I could live my life as an example of what it looks like to love the Father and to live in a season of patience and of trusting and and of believing that God is able. And I could begin to let my example, my words, my actions, my deeds, my prayers begin to allow the Holy Spirit to move upon His will. Does that make sense? So if your encouragement this morning, if you're believing for your spouse, if you're believing for... You know, your child, if you're believing for your aunt, your uncle, your best friend, whatever the case may be, and you're believing God and standing on that word, you can't change their will. But you can live as an example, and you could allow by your prayer, by your supplication, by your your time, your energy, your effort, you can allow the Holy Spirit to begin to use that to be effective in that person. Been in that waiting season too. Many of you know when our daughter and our son, Joel and Jordan, both went through a very difficult season where they were having to transition out of mom and daddy's house, transition out of what the church told them they were supposed to be, transition out of the influences of the enemy who loves to come to kill, steal, and to destroy the call of God that is on your children's life, the purpose of God that is on your children's life, when they stepped out and had to find their sinner, do you know what I mean? They had to find out that they wanted to be a part of church, not because mom and daddy said, you got to get up and you got to go, right? That it wasn't about whether they choose to, chose to do drugs, whether they chose to, to, to live a rebellious life, whatever that purpose had to be that was motivating them. Come on. I couldn't go against their will. I couldn't go against their choice of what they wanted to do. But what I could do? is that by my prayers and by my supplication and by my, my energy and my effort, I could begin to release the Holy Spirit out of my life into them and allow the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And to begin to take that word, come on, that word, which is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and begin to apply that word to their circumstance. So if you're in that place... And you're believing God for someone. You're believing for your spouse. You're believing for your child, your grandchild. You're believing for, you know, your grandparents. You're believing, whatever that case may be. Rest assured in the fact you cannot change them. You cannot change someone else's will. And I don't know why I'm sticking on this, because I think it's important that, that if you can get a hold of this, not only does it take the, the the uh let me see what I'm trying to say. The responsibility, it it, it takes off the weight of you being the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. And I have struggled with this in my waiting season. I have wanted to be the Holy Spirit to someone else. The Holy Spirit who convicts. The Holy Spirit who, who, who confronts things. You know what I mean? I wanted to be that. And it's hard. It's hard to see somebody you love going down a wrong path, to see yourself, see someone that you care about, someone that you love, knowing that they are not living up to the potential and the purpose of God that is in their life. It's hard to sit back and to not be the Holy Spirit and just t- shake that finger and to tell them this, that, and other, and all that good stuff. But what you can do you can live a life as an example and you can pray in your season. And you don't have to be miserable. You can... Step into this waiting season with something that was the only thing that the Lord gave me, the only word that the Lord gave me when I was in my waiting season for 11 weeks in the hospital with Isabella, waiting for my body to line up, waiting for my body to line up, waiting while my baby was in the NIC unit. You see, my grandson, he ain't my first rodeo. Serena. That ain't my first rodeo. Have you ever been in a situation like, like a, um, when you've lived out something? I mean, like if you want to talk computers, who would you want to talk to? Michael. You you wouldn't want to go have a conversation with with Paul. Say, hey, listen, tell me what's the difference between a, a, a this and a that. He would be like, go talk to Michael. Right, right. If you wanted to learn what it looks like to run a successful nonprofit organization with, with with commitment and with prayer and with just making an impact in a community, you know who would you want to go talk to? You'd want to talk to Jessica. You want to talk to Marverly. You want to glean from them. Why? Because they've been there. They know that ain't, this ain't their first rodeo, <laughs> right? So being in the hospital waiting long term. As I've watched my beautiful, precious, anointed daughter in law have to fight through this, I knew she had it in her. I knew she had it in her. And watching and going in and, and looking at my little grandson, who is three pounds today three pounds. Well, I think yesterday he was three pounds. Bringing his uh, oxygen level down, looking at him. It hey, ain't my first rodeo because God was faithful. And the only thing he told me through that waiting season was one word. One word. Does anybody know what the word might be? Patience is good. Nope. Starts with a T and it ends with a rust. What is it? Trust. (laughs) Trust. Oh, I don't know if soon or trust. I don't know. Either one of those are words that. Man, they are they are rough. That's the only thing he's told me. That's the only thing he told me. Fifteen years with my husband. Can you trust me? Yes, Lord, I, I can trust you. Come on. My son losing his freaking mind at Ruston. <laughs> at Louisiana Tech. He ain't in here. I can talk about it. He lost his mind. You talk to Serena, she'd tell you he was losing his mind. We both were on top. We were just like boom, 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 boom. All through that. Lord... Can you trust me? Ah. And then Jordan, God bless her. I love you, baby. Can you trust me? Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) Yes, I will trust you, Lord. In the hospital, laid up. Come on. The only thing he told me. He didn't tell me, hey, listen, this pregnancy is going to be fine. He didn't say to me, hey, look, um... You're going to deliver this baby. You're going to have the baby, you know, at 31 weeks. She's going to be three pounds and something, and you're going to have a lot of ups and downs, and you know. But, hey, it's all going to work out. And wouldn't that be great if he did? Wouldn't that be the best thing if you go into your season and he just said, here, here's a Polaroid of the end result. Take a look at it. Here it is for you. Look at it. Oh, man, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. He's got it. He's taking care of it. That's why I'm saying within this waiting season, it's so much more about what than what you're going through. So much more. You see, waiting is part of your process. Waiting is part of the process of your life. It is the preparation, it is the process, it is the purpose of your life. You cannot get to the next level. Until you go through a waiting season, if you go through within the word of God, come on, one of my favorite things that I would go back to over and over. And Angel and I love this because we did a good study on Joseph and there's something about Joseph. Yeah, Joseph is pretty good, too. We love you, too, Joseph. You know, you're all right, Jojo. But the original Joseph, come on. (laughs) Look at the, the Lord gives him, gave him a word as a young teenager. Come on, teenagers, listen to me. Y'all just got back, some of you got back from YFN. Man, some word was spoken over y'all, right? The word begins to release inside of your life. There's going to be people that say things about you and declare things over you. And you take those things and you never lose hope. Here was Joseph. God had a word for him, told him exactly Incredible things that Joseph was going to do. And then all of a sudden, Joseph had to go through this waiting season, right? He was 17 years old when his brother sold him to slavery. Come on, sold him into slavery at 17 years old. And all of a sudden, at at 17, his life began a projection, a, a direction that he had no idea what was coming. And he began the ultimate waiting season. It says in the word that there was 13 years between living in Potiphar's house and being put in prison, it says that he was 41 years old before the vision and the dream became a reality. And trust me, there was no way that Joseph could fulfill that call. Joseph could not have fulfilled that purpose if he hadn't have had all those years that was preparing him. And do you know, not once in the Bible does it talk about how Joseph groaned and complained and whined Never does it talk about that Joseph was miserable, that he was just, that he rebelled against God, that he, that he was angry at God. Come on, in your waiting season, it's so easy sometimes to just have questions that there are no answers for. And in the process of that, then you can just be, really become bitter. How many people do you know that God gave them a word, God gave them a vision, and it didn't fall within the scope and the timelines, and it was difficult, and it was hard, and the pressure was rough, and they gave up on that call, they gave up on the purpose, they gave up, and they became a bitter, angry Person. Joseph didn't do that. It said in fact that Joseph had such an attitude that everywhere he went, he just gained favor. Favor of God that was just on his life. Didn't matter where he was at, didn't matter what was going through, he just had favor. Got a little too much favor in Potiphar's home, you know, with Potiphar's wife. Ooh, Joseph, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I'm just making sure you're awake. So maybe you're doing some. Tick tock, when we off? (laughs) A little too much favor there. But he goes into prison and he gets favor, right? (laughs) Be here next Thursday, same time, same place. All right, so (laughs) in your waiting season, can I ask you this? All, All of you raised your hands about that you're in this waiting season. Let me ask you this what's your attitude during your waiting season? Can I step on some toes real quick? What's that attitude? Are you one that just wants to talk about what the problem of what you're waiting on? I tell you what. I have been sitting in this doctor's office. I have been waiting on the Lord. I have just been waiting and waiting and waiting. And just look at this. Hey, come over here. Let me look at this. I got here at 2 o'clock. And let me tell you this. Blah, 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 blah. And a blah, blah, blah. What is your attitude in the waiting? In my seasons, my many seasons, I'm not that old, but I'm, I'm creeping up. Paul will be 60 next year. Take that focus off of me. <laughs> the big six I'll be 60 in about 12 years. So <laughs> that was a, that was a joke. <laughs> Heckler in the front row. All right. So when you're in this waiting season, what is your attitude and what can you do? What do you do in this waiting season? What, what is your attitude? Do you constantly talk about the problem? Do you t- constantly question God? Are you constantly in that place where you're, your distrust and your fear and your anxiety and your worry and your and your anxiousness just seems to override? And it just begins to kind of seep out of you. And then you just be, kind of become this person that's just like, well, I don't guess it's ever going to happen. I'm just never going to see it happen. Trust me, I, 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 I understand I understand that it is so hard sometimes to be, to do all the right things. Come on, to do everything that you're supposed to do, everything that you know to do, everything that you're supposed to do, and it still doesn't seem to be happening. So what do you do in that waiting season? What do you do? What do you do? Well, I can tell you for me, I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you what I did. One of the things that I learned to do is that when I was in that waiting season, I learned how to help other people. Because when you begin to take the focus off of yourself and you begin to put that focus on other people, man, it moves the heart of God. Because in the preparation, in the waiting, in the process, then I can take all of that energy and all of that thing that sometimes in your waiting season becomes extremely difficult for it not to be completely about you. Everything about me. Sorry, I don't have time to hear what, what's going on with you. I got my own stuff I got to deal with. I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't have time. I, I, I look, you just don't know what I'm dealing with. You just don't know what I'm going through. You just don't know what they did to me. You just don't know what I'm believing. You just, I, I, I can't. And you sure don't want to be around anybody positive, you know. This is, hey, believe God, trust God, He's able. God is good and He is faithful. He is a good father and He answers your prayers. You don't want to believe that because then you go back to the same situation and you ain't seeing it day in and day out, waiting, waiting waiting. We can learn to live in a place of rest in the waiting. When you begin to step outside of your own, oh, your own circumstance and you endate yourself to be a catalyst for someone else's circumstance. We've said it all a lot. And And, and if you don't get anything, please listen to this. When you take care of God's business, he takes care of yours take care of God's business, take care of God's people, and I guarantee you that God will take care of you. Look, one of the things that that I got to share with Serena when, um, you know, for those of you that know, Serena's, Serena's a battle, anyone who, um, I didn't know a whole lot about ECMO, and I didn't know a whole lot about of what the... The, the true story of what so many people have battled with after COVID and 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 all of the the things that kind of uh, gets attached with it, and so in the so so much of Serena's journey there was a, there was a time and a place where where she was fighting anxiety and the 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 just the procedure of the ECMO was just detrimental to her body, detrimental to her her mind. So we had specific scriptures that we pray for her spirit, her soul, and her body. Um, there's a young man who was in that is still on ECMO, that was across the hall, named Noe, and Noe's parents are here. And we've been able to stand in the gap with this family to go in and, and lay hands on Noe and put scriptures in Noe's room and, and come alongside someone and say, hey, listen, we know where you've been because, you know, when you've been there, you understand and so the Lord, the Lord showed me something that was, was crazy. And I got to share this with Serena last week. I was reading and there was a Gloria, uh, um, Kathy Duplant, no, Gloria, Gloria Copeland said that she was in uh, Beaumont, Texas. And she was fixing to go into a service. She was going to um, preach. And all of a sudden she had this vision that she was in the front of the church and she was inside the, the four walls of a church. And all of a sudden a dragon came through the front door. And it was just vicious, you know. I mean, everything you would kind of imagine what a dragon would look like. The dragon came through the front door of the church, and it expanded like a balloon, okay, and just kind of consumed that area. And it began to snarl, and it began to breathe fire. And as it began to do that, it began to like catch things on fire within the church. And Gloria said she was preaching. I mean, she was standing at the front of the church, and she was just the 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 initial response would be like, I guess anybody, if some crazy dragon came in the back into the church you know and expanded and and she looked down and she was starting to feel the singe from the breath of the dragon the fire that was coming you know and he just kept getting closer and closer and she's just like she looks over and she sees jesus over in the corner and she's like questioning she's like jesus come on what are you doing look 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 at this dragon look at this thing aren't you going to do something Man, in your waiting season, sometimes you just are that way. You're like, "Okay, where are you, God? What are you doing? Why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you taking care of this, this, this crazy thing that is that is trying to kill me, destroy me, to to hurt me, to harm me?" And says so she looked down, and the and the and the, the her 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 clothes began to have embers and igniting. And says so she's just looking at Jesus, like, like, what are you doing? And said he, she looks over at him and he's looking at her with a face of disappointment. <sighs> I was like, oh, I, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been, you know, I don't want, I, my, my thought process, you know, I, I, I was the type of child that you could beat me. You know, my, my, my dad gave me one spanking. Okay. But what was worse than that <laughs> was when they would look at me and they would say, I'm so disappointed. And so she saw it all over his face, and she was just like, why is he so disappointed? Look, look at this thing. And I told Serena, I said, I said, all of a sudden, a sword appeared in Jesus' hand, and he extended the sword for her to take it. And she said, as I'm going down to the ground, as the flames begin to envelop me, I grabbed the sword and she said, and as I grabbed the sword, it was like it lifted me up off of the ground and immediately the singe began to dissipate and go. And she said, she took the sword and she put both hands in the score in her hand. And as she did, as the dragon became to her, she took the sword and she lifted it up and she took that sword and she put it at the top of the dragon's. Neck, And the dragon immediately deflated like the balloon that it looked and it was gone. And I told Serena, I said, baby, there has been a season where you have had people praying for you all over the world. Literally, all over the world, people have been calling her name. Not only just our church, but church in this entire community, right? Churches across the state. Is her job has made her so, have many, so many connections all over the state of Louisiana. Cards that she's gotten, encouragement, people from just all over the place. Uh, uh, Paul Trokle told me that, that in uh, Tanzania, that in their, their pastor's training leadership, that he had, they have her name and Isaac's name. They're in Tanzania, Africa, and they're speaking. You know, we've got people that are in Mexico, in Bulgaria area, down in Botswana. I mean, it's just all over. People have been praying for you and praying for you because she was not in a place where she could grab that sword. I said, but now, baby girl, now you taking that word, you're taking that word, you're taking that spirit, you're taking that sword. And you're going to come out of this season of waiting and she's going to be stronger than she has ever been. She is going to have looked the dragon in the face and is going to say, but my God is bigger than this breath of this thing that has breathed on me. And while I'm here and while I'm doing this, Joel has stepped up and man, son, you have, you have, you have fought a fight unlike anything you've ever fought before and i know that it takes something in that waiting because i know i talk to the the precious the precious one at least twice a day maybe sometimes more and i'm like you got this we you've got this you're standing at the gate and you're standing with your wife and you're standing with your son and you're saying devil <laughs> you're not coming and I know we've all sat and we've looked with the thing and we're like, tick-tock, God, come on, where are you? Why isn't that lung inflated? Why hasn't that come to pass? Why are we still there? But in the process of while we are still there, while we are in the process of being there in that waiting, we've had a good attitude. We've not had a miserable attitude. And he's looked and he's looked and he's looked. Who can I go pray for? Who can I go be a blessing to? Because I'm here for this moment, but I'm here for a bigger purpose than just the fact that Serena has had to fight... Out of the the battle of this, he has pulled himself alongside, and now he calls this week, and he says, "We got another person to pray for." And I said, "He's no, no, no." That wasn't his exact word. He said, "I got, I got something else I got to tell you." And I went, "Oh God!" All right, let me sit down for a minute. Okay, what what are we what are we going to gear up for now? And he goes, "Another." He said, Isaac has a neighbor. We call her baby girl, and she was. 12 ounces, born at 23 weeks. And he said, Mama, we're going to pray for baby girl. We're going to pray for baby girl. So in your waiting season, come on. Whatever you're in there and you're believing God for, and you're trusting, and you're looking at that clock, and you're saying, Come on, God, where are you? Where are you? What are you doing? How are you doing this? Look outside your circumstance, look outside your pain, look outside your difficulty, and look and see a need, and then go begin to meet that need. Don't let your waiting season be in vain. Don't let it be in vain. While you're waiting, you're ministering here. Come on, you're speaking the word. You're taking that sword, and you're ri- you're learning swordplay. Come on, you're learning swordplay. I I I know that um I know y'all make I know that I am a blunt, um, <laughs> not a blunt, a bunt of many a jokes. The brunt. You wonder where Jordan gets it from. She uses weird words too. The brunt of many jokes about how I pray. You know, oh my God, Ginger's fixing to pray. Let's sit down. Better go get you a snack. You're going to be here a while. It, but in the spirit, I've learned in my waiting season how to yield a sword. How to yield a sword. How to call things that aren't and declare them to be so. How to fight. And I got war wounds. I got battles. I know there are war. There are warriors in here that have come out of some horrific things in their life. You have fought through some devastation that if, they, it was, if it had been the enemy's choice, it would have taken you out. It would have killed you, destroyed you, wounded you, left you in a pitiful little pile as a blubbering thing over there because you had been hurt so bad. I get that. You come out of families dysfunctionality. You come out of addiction. You come out of, of religious. Oh. Man, isn't that one of the worst? The, the religious abuse, you know, that, that, that wants to condemn you, that wants to make you feel like there's this some bar that's set, that there's no way you could reach it. So you spend your entire life, you know, with condemnation and conviction because you can't ever get to that point. So I know you come out of a lot of things, but in your waiting season is when you have the opportunity to learn how to yield your sword. Let's look at my scriptures real quick. Galatians 6 9. Let's look at Galatians 6 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. You know the scripture that says, When you've done everything you can do, what do you do? I'm sorry, what do you do? Man, when you've done everything you can do, you just stand, hold that shield. Hold that sword. Come on. Get you a stance that says, I ain't seeing it right now. Okay, I get you. I get you. It's not your ways. It's not my thoughts. But I am not going to be moved by what I see. I'm going to be moved by what the Word of God says. Go to Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.3. And say this. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, come on, wait for it, come on, get that sword, get it tight to you, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. It's coming. For the revelation awaits on an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it lingers wait for it, wait for it, my Hamilton, wait for it, wait for it. (laughs) It will certainly come and it will not delay because his time is always on time. See, a lot of times what happens when you're in the waiting season, you think God's forgotten you. You think he's not listening to you. You think he's mad at you. You think he's hindering his yes, that he's saying no to you. Even when it lines up with his will is, you think that he has turned his face from you because he's not hearing you because you're not seeing the evidence of it. And God never says no. He doesn't say no in a sense of what we know that it's no. He says, trust in me and let it be my time. And so it may change, right? It may change of what you think it's going to look like. But it's always better when he shows up and when it's his way and it's on his time. And the last one let's look at is in Isaiah 40, 31 come on, we know this one. Has anyone ever studied this scripture? Has anyone ever let this be a, a a mantra when you're in this season of waiting, when you're in this season of just asking God to move, asking God to come on, to, to, to bring that miracle, to bring that, that answer to, to ignite something. It says in Isaiah 40, 31, he says, but those that wait upon the Lord, that can trust me, that can be patient, Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Does anybody need some renewed strength up in here? They will mount up with wings like eagles. They're going to run. They're not going to be weary. They shall walk and they will not faint. So in your season of waiting, come on, in your season of having to wait, your attitude cannot be, doesn't have to be one of weary. It doesn't have to be one of faint heart. It doesn't have to be one of defeat. It doesn't have to be one of uncertainty and anxiousness and, 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 and uh, the, all the what ifs, you know, that comes with it. If God doesn't show up at, at, at this time, if, if he tells me to have to pull forward, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. I'm going to lose it. No, you can stand and says, wait upon the Lord and he'll renew your strength. Come on, he'll renew your strength. He will renew your ability to see in the in in faith eyes that you may not be seeing it here, but it's right there. You see, it's just right there. In, it's just right there. It's just right there over in the spiritual realm, and it's coming. And I can trust that on his timing, in his place, in his way, that he brings it about. You know, when I was a young girl, especially in my late 70s and, and 80s, man, the church seemed to really have a lot of more prophetic <clears throat> evidence that came about. I had so many prophetic words spoken over me. If any of you that grew up in that time period in the, <clears throat> in the charismatic movement, it was just a little bit different. There was so many um, home Bible studies that was just some crazy, amazing manifestations of the, the Spirit of God. So there was a lot of prophetic word that was given to me. <clears throat> but there was a a very long period when I didn't see those things come to pass. I did I didn't see it. It wasn't evident. It wasn't it wasn't showing itself. But I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for it. So a lot of the times, the things that the Lord has spoken into your hearts, the things that, that, that's been spoken into you, a vision, a dream, a desire, a thing that's been, been inside of you that's been there, sometimes it may lay dormant, and then all of a sudden it just begins to, to 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 get the watering of the Spirit, the presence of God on and all of a sudden it just begins to take this form, you know, and you're just like, why hasn't this come to pass, Lord? You, you told me this ten years ago. You promised me this, you know, five years ago or 20 years ago. am I just want to let you know that if you wait upon him, if you wait upon the Lord, that he'll renew that strength. He'll take that seed that's inside and he will bring it to pass as we learn to trust in him. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask, um, as a church, as a whole church body as a whole, Joel, if you would just go if you would. And as a church body, we have a family that um, I don't believe in coincidence. We are not a people of coincidence. We are a people of divine appointment and divine encounters and divine connections. That is how you need to be living your life. So it's no coincidence that Noe's family from Houston has now came to our church one time. And what did Angel say earlier? After that, you become family. Family. And so, as a church family, we're just going to take our hands and we're going to extend it to Noe's parents. And we, like we have been doing in our war room for several weeks, we've been praying for Noe. But we're going to take just a minute and we're going to speak life over that precious young man. God loves that young man. And God has a plan for him, He has a purpose for him. To prosper him, to not harm.